0: Uh, my name is Annie Duncan, I'm the executive pastor here. It's so great to be here with you this morning. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us. And if you're watching in the community center later, hello to our, all of our youth there. Uh, when I was a kid, I had this guy that lived in my neighborhood that was like my arch enemy. He poked fun of me a lot because I was shy. And I think I've told you guys that before. When I was a little kid, I was pretty shy. And he made fun of me. And the worst thing though that he did was he would throw worms in my hair, which is so gross. Anybody ever had that done as a kid? It's disgusting. To this day, I don't like worms, but like to have them in your hair, you're constantly trying to figure out, oh my gosh, is there any more in there? Well, I was a little kid. I didn't know how to stand up for myself, and so he just did this to me all the time. You know, I I didn't think, oh, tell my parents about it. Um, So one day, I just got totally sick of it, and I devised a plan. I was going to get back at my arch enemy. And so after his daily dose of like dumping worms in my hair, I pick him out and I run home. And as I'm on my way home, I bite my arm really, really hard. When you're a kid, they take biting super seriously. (laughs) So I walk through the front door and I... Tell this little lie to my mom. I'm like, Mom, my arch enemy, he bit me today. And immediately my mom gets on the phone with his mom, and boom, revenge is mine. I don't think I've ever told that story before. <laughs> my mom is here, and she's like, No, I've never heard that. Like, yeah. Um, so now you all know, so don't tell him. I don't remember his name. But um, anyway, hopefully he doesn't. Maybe he's out there. I don't know. Anyway, um, revenge enemies you know we've got enemies there is evil out in the world and before you start thinking that this sermon is going to be all about how we get revenge on our enemies just stop right there because that's not where I'm going Uh, I mostly used that story to just get your attention sometimes we as pastors do that Um, but Jesus talks about enemies in the parable that Dana just read he talks about how one day he will do away with them how enemies and sin um, there, you know, that one day he's going to have a say, uh, and in the meantime, what are we supposed to do? And after our first read of this parable, it it kind of seems like this is a passive response, like you know, there's enemies, we're the wheat, the weeds are the enemies, and one day Jesus is going to deal with it, and so in the meantime we just kick back and relax. But you know, reading this parable in light of the whole gospel, we know that God doesn't call us to be passive. So what's really going on here? This parable is a little bit trickier. Um, And actually, when I was writing this parable or writing this sermon, I I had a bit of a hard time. And I'll just be honest with you because Scott Dudley isn't here. I was kind of angry at Scott Dudley because he was supposed to be preaching this sermon on this really hard parable. And then he switched with me and I think he knew in his heart, oh, this is a harder parable. I'm going to give it to Annie and see what happens. So thank you, Scott, if you're watching this later. Anyway, so that's where we're going today. And this weekend, while I was trying to, you know, write the sermon, uh, I'm sitting at my desk and my husband passes me a couple times and he, you know, he asked me, how's it going? And uh, no audible words, more just sounds came from me like, and, you know, writer's block, got to write the sermon. And at one point when he passed me, he said, Annie, just read the red words. Just read the red words. In other words, in your Bible, the red words are the words that Jesus said. And he's saying, you know, just read those ones. Now, my husband is a very smart man. And that is actually where we are headed today. We're going to walk through the parable, reading the red words, reading what Jesus said, and kind of digging a little bit deeper to help understand this difficult parable. And the story that Jesus read can basically be broken down into three phases. Phase one is planting, phase two, growing, and phase three, harvesting. So Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. Okay, let's stop there for just a second. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, he explains it not using really big words, not using religious theological jargon, but he explains it in really simple ways. Talking about earthly things that people would understand. Like just an ordinary guy minding his own business, you know, planting some seeds in a field. Continue reading. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And just like that, this ordinary guy, he encounters a conflict. The workers are getting some much needed sleep because they've probably been out in the fields all day working really hard. So they're asleep. And then this is the moment where the enemy takes center stage. And not just any enemy, but the text says his enemy. His enemy. The sower, who is Jesus, it's his enemy. And who's Jesus' enemy? Well, the devil, and it's an interesting thing that the enemy does, sneaking into, you know, a field in the middle of the night to quickly plant some weed seeds. It's basically the hacking of one's files of Jesus' day. That's basically what was going on here. And Jesus' listeners, they would have understood this as bioterrorism. This was something that actually happened back in the day, so much so that the Romans actually had laws against it. You cannot go into another person's field and sow weeds against the law. Interesting. The disciples, they're hearing this story as Jesus is telling it, and they're kind of having a hard time understanding what Jesus is talking about. And so his disciples come to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And Jesus answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Okay, so what does Jesus do? Jesus, the sower, he sows good seeds, the wheat. And what does the devil do? The devil sows the bad seeds, the weeds. The weeds aren't just planted in the next field over, but they're literally in the midst of the wheat. And this is an important distinction, because the enemy's sowing, it doesn't take place alongside the good sowing, but right in the middle of it. And if the field is the world, and we think about this literally, that means that the weeds constantly are surrounding us. They're constantly surrounding us. And that the work of the enemy is not outside the church, but actually in the midst of the church. Pause for dramatic effect. No elbowing anybody right now. We sometimes are tempted to think that when it comes to good and evil, we think it's the church versus the world. But it's not that. Because it's not the church versus the world. Because the world isn't all bad and the church isn't all good. Both are flawed. The church isn't 100% wheat, but it's not 100% weeds either. We actually are a combo, a hybrid of wheat and weeds. And we need Jesus to help us see where the weeds are in our life. Okay, so let's keep reading. Phase two, growing. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. Dun, dun, dun. Don't you wish that the Bible had theme music? The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together. The growing phase can basically be summarized as this. Where did all these weeds come from? A question my husband and I ask every time we take a look at our front yard. But the growing phase, the fact that there are weeds among us, highlights a few theological questions. How can can it be that there are weeds, that there's evil among us? How can a good God allow for evil? And the answer that's given is really brief. An enemy did this. This is just a short story, right? It's a simple parable. Jesus isn't going to you know, tackle these big theological arguments of how a good God can allow for evil. But he is going to address it a little bit by the fact that God is being cleared from being blamed for evil. God did not cause the evil work. He didn't sow the bad seed. But that leaves a lot that's left unsaid. Because there is evil in the world. And it doesn't take us but a moment to think about The evil that we've seen even this past week so with this pretty basic theological foundation laid that god is good god only plants good seeds and the enemy is the one that sows the bad seeds what are we supposed to do what are we as god's people supposed to do in light of that the workers ask a question as well do you want us to go up and to go and pull up the weeds which is logical it makes a lot of sense get rid of the weeds get rid of the evil do it now do it fast if evil's the opposite of God, then shouldn't it be the will of God to get rid of evil? But the answer given isn't what's expected. Let them both grow together. Let them both grow together? To coexist with evil instead of doing away with it, doesn't that seem contrary to what God would want to do? We are quick to want to wipe away evil, to do away with it, to explain it away. We're quick to judge what we think is evil and then question, God, how much longer will you allow for evil to exist. I mean, just think about the past week or so, right? Many of us have questioned, you know, how this kind of hatred and racism can still exist in our country and world today. And my ability to question these things that I'm seeing and reading just points to the fact that I have this limited perspective because I have privilege. A friend of mine whose skin color is a little bit darker than mine She texted me this week after I had posted a hopeful song lyric on Facebook with the hashtag Charlottesville. She texted me right after that and she said this, is it bad that your status you just posted today didn't comfort me but just made me more upset? I'm having such a hard time seeing the Lord right now. I'm confused and scared. And as her friend and as her pastor, I immediately texted her back something hopeful. And I think even at the end, I used the words God love wins. But after I sent that, I realized just how those words fell short. They weren't as powerful as I hoped that they would be. Because just to continue to point to hope doesn't always help. Sometimes one of the most helpful things that we can do is table hope for the moment. I know that God's love wins. But sometimes immediately jumping to that fact and pointing to it isn't helpful. When Jesus encountered hard situations, he didn't immediately jump to hope. He didn't immediately say, it's okay guys, I know that sometimes life sucks, but my father in heaven, he's got this. God's love wins. Jesus didn't say that. Sometimes Jesus got angry. Sometimes Jesus got frustrated. Sometimes he wept. Sometimes he challenged authority. And if we are to be... God's good seeds and agents in the kingdom of God, then I think sometimes that means that we are commissioned to challenge the weeds that we see. And commissioned to challenge them when we see them in others. Because this is where there's this point of tension, right? We're called to be God's good seeds, but sometimes there's a little bit of the weeds in us. And we need each other to help each other to see that. It means that when we encounter evil, we, like Jesus can be angry, can be frustrated, can cry, can challenge the injustice that we see. There are weeds among us. And that's what a large part of this parable is talking about. Evil isn't just going to be exterminated right when it appears on the scene. So we live in this tension where it's just around us. And we're called to do something about it. Weeds can't be ignored. They can't be explained away with hopeful song lyrics, either. So after realizing how my words kind of fell short with my friend, I texted her again, and I said, I actually think the response I should have given you was this. I'm sorry you're scared and confused. Tell me more. I'm here. You're not alone. And then she wrote me back. I'm scared for the future. I'm scared for the right now, and I don't feel like I can talk about it because I don't have any words. I don't feel like I see God anywhere and that scares me because I don't see myself going to to him with stuff like this. I'm just so exhausted from all the hate. Maybe some of you here are just exhausted from all the hate. Like the workers in the parable, there are times when I'm quick to want to explain away the evil and do away with it. Can't I just pluck the weeds up now? And that again is where we live in this tension. We're not going to be able to exterminate evil completely this side of glory. But one day, Jesus says, he will do away with it all. And in the meantime, we aren't to sit back passively, but we're to go to him constantly and say, God, where are you calling me to take action in my life, in my community? That's where I see the call to action in this parable. So don't just assume that you are 100% wheat. As God's kids and as God's agents in the kingdom, we're called to be those good seeds. But being those good seeds of wheat means we have to ask the question, where might there be small weeds, big weeds in my life? It's asking about that first in regards to our lives and then also the community around us. Because this parable, it's not just a free pass to sit back and tolerate it until the end of the age. Because that would go against, against everything that scripture says to us. God says, and maybe you all have heard this before. Because these are pretty well preached on. But God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. And that word, love, is inaction. It calls us to do something. And while only God knows the ultimate timing of harvest. The end of age when the end is coming. God might call us now here to multiple harvests. And right now, Bell Press, I believe, is the time when God's calling us to finally pull up the weeds of racism. To pull up the, re- the weeds of bullying. To pull up the weeds of shame. To pull up the weeds of evil that you see in your community. In this parable, Jesus is saying that good and evil, they exist side by side, but only for a season. They're allowed to grow together, but only for a season. This is where we're called to be good discerners. Good discerners to distinguish between the good and evil. And to ask God for help. To pray that prayer often. God, show me. God, help me. God doesn't enjoy the sight of a field filled with weeds. And remember what Jesus said, though, about pulling the weeds out too early. That if you pull the weeds out too early, it might uproot some of the wheat. And in the Greek text, the word for wheat is better translated as tares. And here's a picture that shows both the wheat and the tares side by side. They look pretty similar. Isn't that tricky? Really, the only way to distinguish the difference is come harvest time. Come harvest time, the wheat is the only thing that's going to produce a crop. A weed will just remain a weed and remain useless. It's only at the harvest and the harvesters that can tell the difference. So evil exists for a season, and then comes the harvest. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie in bundles to be, to, the, to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And Jesus gives us a strand of hope here to hold on to, how we can face the evil that we see growing around us. Because that one day, he will do away with it. But while we wait for that one day, we all need Jesus. It's the message of the gospel, how we need a savior. Only Jesus can turn weeds into wheat. And that's why we need to go to him daily and ask him for help. Ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, fill us with courage to face the weeds that we see in ourselves and in the world around us. And if we see people that need Jesus, well then that's where we have a job. And maybe our job isn't to grab a megaphone and stand on a corner and preach the gospel, but maybe our job is just to love our neighbors, to get to know them. When I was in college, I dated a guy that grew up in Hawaii, and he had a Hawaiian and Filipino background. And the first time that I brought him to meet my extended family, uh, one of my extended family members said under her breath, well, we're just letting everybody in the family now, aren't we? Whoa, that happened in my family. And this woman, she loves the Lord, goes to church every Sunday. You would never have expected that to come out of her mouth. And yet there it was, a weed, some weeds, right? We all have weeds like that in our life. And this was, you know, old-time family member, she passed that down to her kids, who passed it down to her grandkids. These are systems that are in place, the patterns that we learn, that we can't unlearn without each other. Like my friend that texted me and said, hey, what you just posted on Facebook wasn't helpful. I'm not going to know that unless my friends tell me that. And I'm not going to know that unless I have friends that are going to tell me that. So this is why we need each other. We cannot do this life alone. (laughs) We all have these frames and filters in our lives that need to be challenged. And we can't just go around thinking that we're wheat. We have to ask where the weeds are. In our lives. And we have to remember that Jesus loves us just the way we are. Just the way we are. But he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. So we're going to close right now in prayer. And I'm going to have about 30 seconds of silence where I just invite you to personally ask God these two questions. Pray and ask God what are the weeds in me and what are the weeds around me. And listen and ask God how you can act. So, God, we thank you that you want to make us better. That, God, you love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to let us stay the way we are. So, God, you're constantly speaking to us through your Holy Spirit to challenge us, to encourage us, to come alongside us. So, God, right now, we come to you and we ask these two questions. God, what are the weeds in us? And what are the weeds around us? So, God, continue to talk to us about those things and give us courage to change. Give us church, courage to follow you. We need you. God, only you can change weeds into wheat. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.